Uh, turn in your Bibles to book of Psalms, chapter 51. I titled the message tonight, Seeking God for Correction. And you know, there's many things that people will try to seek God for. And there's probably a lot of times that you may even tell somebody, well, you need to seek God. And, you know, that could be for an answer to some decision that they're facing in their life. It could be for an answer to prayer. It could be for guidance and direction. A lot of things you can seek God for. And, you know, we could probably just uh, spend the rest of the time tonight making out a list of things that people will seek God for. But tonight, I want to talk about one that's probably not very popular with most people, and that's seeking God for correction. Uh, you know, it's real easy to seek God for when there's something good in it for you, like an answer to prayer, but most of us don't want to talk about uh, correction and being corrected in our lives. <clears throat> but uh, one of the great things about being a Christian is knowing that I'm not perfect, and knowing that uh, when... I seek God for correction that that correction will come in the in the easiest way possible. <clears throat> you know, it's um it's it's kind of like when you're a kid and you know I've always told my kids whatever you do don't lie to me. I said if you will just tell me the truth from the beginning, chances are you won't even get a spanking because you were upfront and honest with me. And I, I said, on the other side, I tell them, if you do lie to me, you're getting a spanking. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter if you just went and touched somebody and I ask you, why did you touch them and you lie about it? You're getting a spanking because you lied. So I've tried to drive that principle of, of honesty into them. And you know, God a lot of times is the same way. You may not necessarily be able to find a scripture for this, but I have to believe that when we go to God on our own seeking correction from Him, that He's going to deal with us in a different manner than if we were to somehow get caught in the act, so to speak. You know, when we're up front with God and we we tell God, look God, I... I know there's something wrong, and I want you to help me fix that. He's going to deal with you in a different manner. So let's look at uh, verse 7 first. Psalms 51, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now move down to verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now you know, David was said to be a man after God's own heart. But David also knew a thing or two about sin. He had many occasions in his life where sin crept up, just like all of us have. You know, and there were even times that he committed these sins that were... were, uh, almost unspeakable to most of us. We wouldn't even consider doing something like that. But David was still called a man after God's own heart. Well, you know, the one thing that David, you know, he knew about sin, but there was something else he knew about. And that was about seeking God. He knew something about looking to God for His guidance and direction, but not only that, also for correction. 
And you'll find many places. I'll just give you a couple examples tonight. And one of them we just read. But there's many places throughout Psalms and through the rest of the Old Testament where you'll see that David sought God for correction. So even though sometimes there may not be a specific sin that you're going to God about, sometimes you still want to go to God and seek correction. Now what does that mean? Why would we go to God when we don't know of a sin? Well, I'm going to read you another Scripture that's going to tell you why. And I heard this Scripture first when I was a kid. And there was a revival going on at a the little Baptist church there in Ratcliffe. And there was a young guy there preaching and they kind of had a youth thing going on. And he read this Scripture and it has stuck with me ever since. It's Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. You might want to mark this one in your Bible. It's a good one. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, you, So what I'm, what I'm telling you tonight is that when you are... Praying, when you're spending your time with God, it's a good practice to go to God and say, God, look, the thing that's most important to me is my relationship with you. Search me. Look in me. Find, is there something wrong? Is there something in me that I need to change? Is there something that is preventing me from getting that one other step closer to you? What is hindering my relationship, if anything? I guarantee you God's going to reveal it to you. He's going to show you that there's always something that something else you can get out of the way. You know, our life as Christians should be this should be a continual process of refinement. Somebody that's been a Christian for 30 or 40 years is working on things that most people may not even say is sin. It may be such a small thing to the rest of the world that other people would laugh when you said that that's what I'm working to get out of my life. But understand that, like we talked about this morning, when you're in the presence of God, those things become evident. Now listen, you don't have to have some encounter with God where, where you see this physical form and you know, that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're in your prayer time and the, the presence of God comes into that room. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, you need to spend time in prayer. Because let me tell you, God can show up in your car on the way to work. He can show up in the kitchen when you're in there cooking a meal. He can show up wherever you may be, but you've got to be seeking Him. When you're spending some time in prayer and the Holy Spirit comes in, I guarantee you the first thing that you're going to notice is there's something wrong with me. I've got something in my life that doesn't need to be there. But you've got to be seeking God for correction. Now you know if there's something wrong, He's going to tell you. But I'm talking about the kind of thing where it may not really be an obvious sin. It may just be something that you're hanging on to a little too tight. It may be a sin of omission instead of commission. It may be the kind of thing where you should have done something, but you didn't. 
That's the kind of stuff that as you go on in your Christian life, God will begin to work on you in that area. So we go to God in prayer. We say, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Now why would you go to God and pray that kind of thing? You don't pray something like that to God unless you're wanting Him to tell you. Unless you're wanting a correction to be made. Something that's going to draw you closer to God. What's the word say? It says, draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. When you want a closer walk with God, it's going to take a change. You can't stay the way you are right now and get any closer to Him. You've got to move toward Him and that requires change in your life. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now you know the Ten Commandments is a good place to start. But I want to inform you tonight, if you don't already know, that there are other sins besides the Ten Commandments. There are other things that can hinder your walk with God besides just those Ten Commandments. James said, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. Now listen, what does that mean? What does it mean when when you know to do good? You know, I've been a Christian. I don't even remember how old I was when I got saved. You know, I'm not very good with dates, or I don't, I'm not very good at remembering how old I was when certain things occurred. I don't know. My mind just don't work that way. But I was, I was a, a kid uh, before I was a teenager. I know that much. So I've, I've been a Christian. I don't know at least twenty something years. I'm thirty three years old. So, that's a lot of time, for me anyway. For some of y'all, 20 years may just seem like yesterday, but, and I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> but, but for some of y'all, that may not seem like much. For me, that's, a, that's, that's a third, two-thirds of my life. So that's a lot. But there's a lot that has changed about me in that time. There is a a lot of ways that that God has worked on me during that time. Things that I know now that are doing good may not have been a thought in my mind when I was 10 years old. So what James is saying is is he's saying if you know something is, is good and the right way to do it and you don't do that, then that's sin. So, I want you to understand that if you see somebody else doing something and you realize that that is the right way to do it, then that ought to be the way you do it from then on. Now, if you do something that is wrong and you didn't know it was wrong, that doesn't mean that you didn't sin, but God's going to deal differently with you. You know, there's, there's a difference in willfully sinning and sinning out of ignorance. I'm not trying to 
sugarcoat this and make you think, well, if you didn't know any better, it's not still sin, because that's not the way God works. God is a God of black and white. You will find very little gray area in the Bible. So sin is sin. But what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that when you begin to seek God for correction in your life, He may reveal some things to you that previously you didn't even realize was sin. He may begin to work on your attitude. Man, that's a tough one, let me tell you. He may start changing your attitude. Do you know that, uh, and I've told some of you this before, I don't really like people too much. I guess I'm kind of what you would say, almost like an introvert. I, I just really don't care to socialize a lot with people. I'm not very good at being a people pleaser. You know, some some pastors especially are really good at just making people feel good. I'm, I'm just not one of those kind of people. I'm not intentionally trying to be rude to you, but that's just not my nature. But you know, God's working on me on that. Do you know God showed me that I need to love people? Imagine that. A pastor that has to love people. Man, I tell you what, those, those attitude changes are the hardest. Because me not loving you is a sin. Me not caring that lost people are going to hell is a sin for me. Because God has showed me that. Now you heard it, so you're obligated now. (laughs) You can't claim it was a sin of ignorance now because you've heard it. But listen, God that's how God works on you. When you begin to seek Him for correction, He will correct you. And I guarantee you, all of you here need some sort of correction. None of us are perfect. None of us have, have just attained that, that mark that Paul talked about. All of us need to keep pressing. And I know some of this sounds repetitive from this morning, but obviously somebody needed to hear it again. There is a reason why you need to keep pressing. There is a reason why you need to seek God for correction in your life. It is not just to make you a better person. This is not a motivational speech that you know I'm charging admission to. This, this is to help you. Listen, there is a reason. That reason is because God desires to have a stronger, closer walk with you. Not only to benefit you and Him, but to benefit others. When you get closer to God and you be, begin to receive this correction, you then desire to reach other people. You desire to share what you've learned with other people. When you gain that love for lost souls, you decide, look, I need to do something besides just sitting here helping myself. I need to get out there and save some people that are heading to hell. I'm not trying to say you could save them, but because of the work you do, they will be saved. Seeking God for correction... Like I said before, it's not a popular thing. I don't, I've never once saw my kids come to me and say, Daddy, would you correct us? Because we just, I don't know, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. Just, just go ahead and spank us because we need some correction. I've never seen my kids do that. I've never seen anybody desire a spanking. 
But what I desire is that I'm closer to God. I desire that more than any chastening I'm going to receive from Him. And it doesn't matter uh, what it takes to get me there because I know He's going to do it right and I want to be as close as I can get. That's where the desires of our heart need to be. Don't worry too much about how hard He's going to correct you. It ain't going to be easy, but the benefits in the end are well worth the wait. Give you an example of uh, changing your attitude. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, if you don't know what haughty means, I'll define it for you because I had to go look it up myself. I kind of had an idea, but I like to put words to it. It means proud and disdainful, having a high opinion of oneself with some contempt for others. I heard a guy, I think it was a comedian, say one time, I are one. There's been a time in my life I had a high opinion of myself and had, not too long ago, some contempt for others. It says that a haughty spirit goeth before a fall. Now you know, if I wasn't seeking God for correction, that may just kind of go by and I'd never notice it. If I wasn't trying to get closer to God... It might not ever come to my mind that I might have a little bit of a problem with pride. You know, some of those things are not obvious. Some of those, you know, to me, I feel like I'm okay. Other people may be looking at me saying, man, that guy sure is kind of full of himself. I don't know what other people were saying because they don't say it to your face usually. But if you're not seeking God for correction, how will you know? Sometimes those character flaws are only revealed to you by God. Because nobody else wants to say anything. There's there's a need for seeking God in our lives. You know, you can seek God for a lot of things, but I think probably the most important thing to seek Him for is in relation to uh, your walk with Him is correction. You can seek Him for guidance and direction, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. I do it all the time. But too many times I forget that I need to be seeking Him for correction. And, you know, it it seems to me now that a lot of the times I think about it is when it's already probably a little past where I should have been doing it. I've already gotten to the point where now this sin has come up. And I should have been seeking God a week ago or two weeks ago, but now I've, I've kind of let the thing go too far. And don't go there. It's like I said, I'm not nearly as hard on my kids when they just come to me and say, Daddy, I did this. And I'm sorry. But when I catch them in it, And then they lie to me. And I already know what the truth is, but they lie anyway. Y'all ever lie to God? 
Don't, don't, y'all don't sit there like that. Do y'all ever lie to God? Y'all ever try to tell God, well, God, you know, try to justify it. You say, well, you know, it really wasn't that bad. All I, all I did was, was this. You know, it wasn't that big a deal. You're lying to God. What's the word say? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For those of you who don't know what sowing and reaping is, it's whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get. Whatever you decide to take part in, that's what you're going to get back. Don't, don't go to that point where you're trying to somehow justify this sin in your life and you're trying to, trying to even maybe cover it up and you're trying to make it okay. Seek God correction. The Word says, Seek Him while He may be found. You know, because there may come a time if you go too far when God says, No, I don't want to hear it. Have y'all ever heard your parents say that? When you just had pushed every button and then all of a sudden you, you want to say, Oh, I'm sorry. What do they say? I don't want to hear it. It's too late. It's too late for sorry. Sorry, don't cut it. Y'all ever heard? I always hated hearing it. Sorry, don't cut it. It's because you have just went too far. You have pushed beyond the the brink of mercy. The mercy has been exhausted. It's time for punishment. Luckily. What, is a, what does the Word say? It says, For He is good and His mercy endures forever. It says that He is great and greatly to be praised. Luckily, God has way more mercy than we have. Luckily, God is, is willing to kind of stick it out with you even when He knows you're going wrong. You can always come back to God and say, God, now listen, I'm not talking about you can come and say, I'm sorry because you know you got caught. I'm talking about you can always come back to God and say, God, I realize the error in my ways and help me correct it. Show me what is wrong in me and show me what I need to do to make it right. He knows your heart. You know that one of the first Scriptures we read there... Which one is it? Yeah, search me, O God, and know my heart. He knows the intent of your heart. He knows... Look, don't go to God and say, I'm sorry, just because you're trying to get out of it. He knows what the intent of your heart is. When you go seeking Him for correction, He knows why you're doing it. Is it because you're really wanting to correct the problem? Or is it because you just are trying to get out of something? He knows why you're there. We need to be constantly examining ourselves and our relationship with God. There ain't nothing wrong with examining yourself and finding a fault. You need to be proactively seeking God's correction. You know, our relationship with God, and I'm going to wrap up right here, our relationship with God needs to be maintained. If, if, if there's somebody here that likes to be a gardener. If y'all like to grow stuff in the garden, I'm sure there's some of y'all. I know 
Brother Cleon and Sister Diane do. You have to maintain that stuff. You, you can't just go dig a hole and put some seeds in the ground and walk off and expect anything to come out of it. No, you gotta you got to tend to the ground. you got to fertilize. you got to water. you got to keep the bugs off of it. you got to take care of it. And the degree to which you take care of that is an indicator to how good it's going to come out in the end. And it's like with your car. If you maintain your car, your car is going to run good. If you don't maintain it and you wait till fifteen or 20,000 miles has went by and you decide to go change the oil, there's going to be problems. Our relationship with God is the same way. If you properly maintain it, you take care of it, you try to nurture it, you try to make that thing improve and be better than it was when you first started, it'll get better. It'll continue to run the way it ought to. Things will be right in your life. But when you just kind of hit a lick every now and then, when you come to church and you know you spend an hour sitting here at church and then you don't think about God again until Saturday night when you say, oh, we got church in the morning. That's what you're going to get out of it. You're going to get that little bit. That's all you're going to get. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If you don't expect to give any more than that to God, don't expect Him to give any more than that to you. He's not going to give you any more than you want. He's not going to hold you to it and make you you know, give Him more than you want to. He's only going to take what you give Him. But don't hold Him to it and expect Him to give you more. You know, some people do a better job than others at taking care of their stuff. It's the same way in the church. Some people spend the time praying and, and reading their Bible and worshiping God and doing what they ought to do to improve their relationship with Him. Seeking for correction. Some just kind of do a little every now and then. You know, you look at some of these people that really maintain their relationship with God, and there's a lot of times that some of us look at them and say, well, they're kind of full of themselves a little bit. They're kind of, you know, they're old, they're holier than thou, you know. We start kind of thinking bad thoughts about those people because they're at a better place than we are. And why? Because we don't think there's anything wrong with us. I know I've done that before. I look at myself and I think, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Why is it they think they're they're okay? They're so good. But you know, that's because I wasn't seeking God for correction. I wasn't really truthfully examining myself. I was just kind of looking at what I liked. You know, you've heard people say that before. You can't take what you want out of the Bible and leave the rest. You've got to take it all. You've got to look at yourself at, in, in every aspect. You've got to, when you ask God to search me, O oh God, and know my heart, He ain't just going to look at the things you want Him to look at. He's going to look at everything. 
You need to be prepared for that. Because I promise you, when you go to God and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's going to point something out to you the next day. He's going to tell you, you need to get this out of your life. You need to change this over here. You need to talk to them people differently. You've got too much attitude when you talk to people like that. You know, even the way you respond to people can be a sin. I have a tendency when people ask me a kind of a what I consider a stupid question to just kind of smart off to them, make them feel like they're stupider, I guess. That's what my intention is. I don't know. But I've done it for so long that that it's just part of me now. And I'm not proud of that. But even those little things like that, the way you talk to people can be it can be sin. Because when you act like that, you have an attitude like that. Now, I'm not just talking about when you're joking around. I'm talking about when you're serious. I'm talking about when you belittle people and, and you know, whatever it may be. I'm sure all of you can think of a situation yourself. But you're not being a picture of Jesus when you do that. You're not living up to the example He set. And that's what our responsibility is, is to convey Jesus to this world. Our life should preach Jesus to this world. And when we don't deal with people in a way that's pleasing to God, it ought to be sin to you. You ought to realize that that is sin. That you're you're breaching that level of trust that they may have for you. You're, you're crossing the line to where when they look at you, they don't see Jesus anymore. You know, Brother Jack said something this morning about how sometimes you just know when somebody's a Christian. Well, you ought to. You ought to just know when somebody's a Christian. I'm not saying when you look at them, you see a halo and and there's this glow around them. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm trying to say you ought to be able to watch somebody for a few minutes and determine whether or not they're a Christian. You ought to see the actions and the way they talk to people. And you ought to at least know they was raised by Christians. You ought to at least know that there's something different in their life that's not in yours. People ought to look at us and see Jesus. They ought to look at us and see the characteristics that make up what He did on this earth. That only comes from seeking God. We're all carnal beings. But when we're saved and we begin to seek God, there's change that should be taking place. 